Welcome to the Insider Outsider Podcast, where we have courageous conversations with business leaders around the globe about what it means to be an insider or an outsider in their organizations. We at WMFDP and FDP Global specialize in helping insiders understand their unique responsibility to engage other insiders, as well as outsiders, in partnering and building inclusive teams and organizations. I'm your host, Michael Welp, co-founder of the diversity and inclusion leadership development firm WMFDP and FDP Global, also a TEDx presenter and author of the book, Four Days to Change. So welcome to another episode of the Insider Outsider podcast. This, uh, this episode, we have Darren Tully, who is um, a white male leader who has been fun to, to know you and watch your transformation over the years. You know, your uh, book is coming out shortly, Live Your Possible. Um, you were in Mass Mutual for 12 years, most recently as the business transformation officer, which is when you came into experiencing our labs, our full partner lab, and I think later the Whiteman's Caucus and some summits and gosh, you know, and Ignite Happy is the name of your uh, consulting firm now. So just happy to have you, Darren. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it's an honor to be here, Michael, to chat with you and just about our, our collective journey here. It's been uh, quite a ride since we, we first met uh, several years ago. It has been. It's like, uh, and, you know, not, not too many of our folks, you know, you know, just kind of go off and write a book and have some of what they experience with us in the books. I'm excited to hear about that. Um, but maybe you want to start back and just tell us where, where some of these seeds happen for you in terms of your journey around, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion and whatever depth you want to share there. Um, how that, how that happened. I know people who are listeners are always um, interested to hear how were some of our labs, four-day labs impacting them or summits, how did they impact leaders and where did they go with it? And how, how did it change the trajectory of their leadership or even their, you know, work outside of work, you know, relationships and things? Yeah, that, that's great. We, we, we could probably unpack this for a bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, where do you want to start? <laughs> uh, well, you know, we'll start literally five years ago. Uh, I was in a, the full partner lab uh, with with, um, with your co-founder there, um, Bill Probin, and then also uh, Peggy as well. And uh, I, you know, I call that event my awakening. Mm. Those four days that that four days of of immersion uh, were where I really opened my eyes to so many different things. And and then a, a bunch of events occurred after that that culminated into. Uh, uh, I would say my light up moments, my aha moments where I started to see my world open up in ways I never could have imagined, e- even to the point where I'm, I mean, I was in this role, the business transformation office, uh, where I was the, um, the lead. And, you know, really I started my career with numbers. I started, uh, with a love for numbers and would drive, um, teams and people, uh, to get the numbers. And then I, I, you know, I had the awakening and I started to recognize the importance of people and people first and, the importance of culture and differences and inclusion and uh, all that got worked together into one role because it, it was about driving the transformation of our, of our business at the same time it was improving our culture and one of the things we had done uh in recent years is move, we moved our culture from uh, a third quartile culture score into a top decile over the last couple of years just because we changed our focus going to people first. And then we were really wild about the results that would follow, which are the numbers. But, mm-hmm. uh, initially I was, I was upside down, like the way I was looking at things, the way I believed things, my, my purpose was not fully, uh, there until I, I was at the full diversity partner event, uh, in May, 2016 with, um, uh, 20, I think 24 other people, of which four others were like me as a white male. And, uh, that's, that's really when I started to, uh, see the world differently. Mm. Well, take us into that initial experience because I know you probably had moments that you remember quite well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think about it every day, uh, uh-huh. and, it's, and it's all good. I mean, some of it is, mm-hmm. uh, and it's all about. To me, it's about self uh, reflection and exploring about 
okay, what can I do better? It's not about beating myself up of what mm -hmm. I, I've done wrong. Certainly there's, there's times where we feel that uh, guilt or shame. And I, you know, during this event, um, I had guilt and shame. I, I was terrified actually, uh, after, mm -hmm. after a couple of days, you know, the first couple of days we, um, we were meeting as, as, uh, teams of humans and people just getting to know each other and starting to see where we had similarities and where we had differences. And, uh, we really got to know people because we were there from, I think you had us there from seven in the morning, having breakfast, doing exercise until at nine or 10 at night, playing cards and games with each other, which to me, it was magical because we really got to, uh, know each other all the way, um, from their kids to where people come from, to what they're all about and all that stuff. And, there was a moment after a couple of days after I started to hear stories from everyone where, where people were talking about um, belittled, being belittled, being um, overlooked, um, uh, being talked down to, being bullied, um, maybe not considered because of what they look like or who they are, or what they represent or, you know, in the relationship or just on and on. And I was, after a couple of days, I, at first I'm like, yeah, we could figure this out. We could all do it together. And, and I realized, oh my God, I, I was not leaving out my purpose, which I, my purpose at the time was to bring out the best in people all around me every day. And and I was recognizing I wasn't doing it, Michael. I was not doing it. I was actually looking at myself saying, oh my God, you're, you're a fraud. You're not doing this. You're only doing this for people that are like you, that mm -hmm. have similarities like you. And and I was, I was recognizing I wasn't taking care of people that had maybe had differences or maybe I was uncomfortable around at one point in time. And, and so I actually approached bill and i asked bill i said hey can i can i talk to the team the next morning this is the third morning uh because i was terrified i was i was mm. i couldn't sleep the night before i was exhausted i was mentally um just felt like i could do better in life just as a human being as a leader uh and i and i asked the group if i could just let them know that i i i, I wasn't completely honest and i wasn't my best self i wasn't living my purpose inside i was dying because i was i was i was mm. mortified i was terrified i you know, my, essentially the, the bubble that I was swimming around in this, this level of ignorance of not knowing all this stuff was happening. Uh, I'm not a bad person yet. I wasn't being my best self. Um, and I recognized I could do better and I wasn't living out my purpose. So my bubble burst and I literally was crying as I was presenting to this, hmm. this group. Um, and, you know, and I, I had this moment where I saw folks in the room, I was able to then focus on people in the room and, um, I could see their hearts were there. They were crying with me and the, the folks were that I was actually holding down actually picked me up at that point in time. And it was a phenomenal moment because that, that just got me hook, line and sinker. I'm, I'm all in to change my ways and to commit going forward. And, um, you know, I, I, I adopted this pink pen as mm -hmm. a way of working going forward. And I can explain that. Um, but yeah, you could say, I remember a few things from that week. That was, that yeah. was a big one where my, my, my bubble burst and, and I recognized when people started to pick me up and recognize that I could be vulnerable and authentic and, mm. and grow from that moment. I realized at that moment, my bubble didn't burst. It actually expanded. Yeah. And that was, that was such a moment for me to really begin to change. That was just the beginning. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And it, there's no intent to have you feel bad. Um, but it sounds like that was part of the territory of, wow, there's stuff happening that I didn't know. I didn't know in the world, but somehow you found the courage to just talk from a deep, authentic place about what you wanted to see and what you wanted to continue to learn. What, what, what gave you that support or courage or ability to just show up in that vulnerable way? You know, I, I, I hold true to what I put out to the world. So if I have a commitment, I want to live I want to live mm. by that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have a general way about me to bring out the best in people. That's why I had that original, that original purpose. And uh, when I recognized I wasn't being honest mm. with myself, uh, it really jolted me. And, it, and sometimes we need to have a little pain, and that's okay to jolt us forward. Sometimes that wakes us up. Mm. That was my awakening. And mm -hmm. um, I, I've been a continuous learner my whole life, so I, I started to yep. dig in to reflect what's going on and. Um, I started to recognize that I needed to look at things a little differently. I needed to really pause and step out of my, I'll call it my subconscious mind. Cause I, as I remember in the teachings at the lab, it's about, Hey, there are, there are different stages. And I was in the stage of, um, unconscious incompetence. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And then I started to realize, Oh my gosh, now I know a lot what I don't know. And I need to learn a lot more. 
and I'm going to commit to learning a lot more. And, and I needed to change my belief a bit more about just helping people around me. I needed to see people differently. So I actually, it, it, it kind of enhanced the way I wanted to look at the world. And when I see people, I would say, I, there's a beautiful light inside you I, I want to help unleash because you, mm. you're filled, filled to the brim with possibilities uh, and you deserve it. I, I need all of us to be on uh, an equal playing field so we all have that opportunity. And it's been easier for me and I recognize it hasn't been easier for others. So that's kind of, that's, this is what I say as I approach people. And it's a, it's a constant learning event. It allows me to get curious yeah. with everybody I meet. I want to know what's burning inside, what's working well, what isn't, what's, what's holding you back. Cause how can I help somebody if, if I don't know them? It's like, how can I help myself if I don't know myself? And, um, you know, kind of just, uh, taking that, taking that approach. And, you know, as I, as I look back when I, you know, my childhood and stuff like that. I think I might have shared this with you in the past, Michael, about how I was always behind as a child. Mm. I was always trying to catch up. Uh, I, you know, I was late in my learning skills, and uh, I was always viewed as, "Hey, if you can get to average, that'll be good." Uh, so, it, yeah. a little bit of a self limiter right there. Yet, I recognize that I had I've been fighting through this by learning and, and getting to know people and help others, and that's where I get joy from from in life. And I recognize as I was as I was holding people back by not helping others, by by uh, making it harder for people possibly in their day to day. I wasn't giving people that opportunity that I had to break through. Yeah. That's what I, that's really what I'm trying to do is help people break through that. There's there's endless amounts of possibilities in all of us, and we just need to help help each other get there. Yeah, I loved listening to you, Darren, and I love the sense in you of really wanting to. Uh, support people being in their best, unleashing them, seeing their light, um, seeing their uh, potential. And um, yeah, you had this experience where you felt some incongruence between what, what was the shift that you had? What did you see, start to see that you didn't see before? I remember you talked about before the session started going up to some of your colleagues and saying something like, I hope you're easy on us. Or what, what was that you were sharing? Yeah, that's, that's that's a good call out because that's that's a good, good example. Before this event at the full diversity yeah. event, at that we had the uh, the lunch session to start off the event, which is really getting to know how we scored on on um, how we view inclusion, how do we interact in the day, how we immerse ourselves, and that was a lightning uh, to to really set the framework for the, mm. the following four days. And uh, and you could picture you know picture with me different groups of people that are like each other at different tables, just like uh, kind of think about back in, in high school at the high school dance or different events, or even maybe even some workplaces. I see it where people that are very like each other, the way they look, or maybe how they think are, are sitting at the same table. And um, there's opportunity there to, to step in there. And, and what, what I didn't do is I didn't step in to ask if I could sit down and, and get to know people, which I, I would do now. I went over there and had, had said to a group that um, were, were, you know, I guess were different than me that were, um, uh, you know, they were sitting there having a good lunch and I said to them, Hey, Hey, could you just be easy on us? Uh, you know, so it's like, so I'm, why am I making it all about us? You know? So I, <laughs> I, I, I started this divisiveness right from the beginning thinking, okay, go easy on us. Like I'm actually like, I have any power of that. And yeah. it was me to actually put that out there. Well, my intentions were to try to have a little light fun. Yeah. When, yeah. when I really dug down a little bit, I could see that being perceived in so many different ways. Yeah. It's like, Hard isn't, you know, it's like, okay, we got to keep him comfortable. Um, Yeah. So, but you got to a different place and that's powerful. And yeah, what a catalyst that must've been when you were sharing the beginning of the third day vulnerably, what, what did show, what did happen in that conversation or after that? Yeah. You know, people, we really, I think we really gravitated uh, to each other uh, and really start to work through what can we do together? This isn't something that happens individually. This is uh, this is a collective we thing, and, and identifying and committing and actually following through. Uh, you know, one of the things we had agreed as a work group. There's 25 of us. We actually said, do we want to carry this on outside of this four day session? Because that's mm. you know when you typically go to these events, how do you carry it on? You know, any any conference you go to or any training, if you get one or two snippets, and then if you can live that out, that's success, right? To me, it's uh, another person, um, a partner from that group. We said, let's get the group together. So we actually got the group together many times after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was a unique, um, it was a unique mm-hmm. opportunity because we actually started to 
watch different videos. We started to immerse ourselves from different learnings. Like I jumped all in about reading different books. I went to um, mm -hmm. the White Men's Caucus a year later because I still felt like I was still learning much, much more than I, I, I didn't, you know, I just wasn't aware of. I felt like I was still um, um, putting myself out there and, and that's okay. Yet I needed to continue uh, branching out. I read your book, Four mm -hmm. Days of Change, which, you know, kicked me in the stomach four or five times as I was reading, was reading the book. Uh, but I'm doing all this because I have an eagerness to learn. And to your mm -hmm. point about being vulnerable, like I want to get better. I, I need to, I, what I've noticed is mo the more vulnerability that I share, the more opportunities are presenting themselves, the more people that I'm meeting people that I might not have ever met before. I'm yeah. very close to, I'm like very fond of, I adore some of the folks that never, I might not have ever met. And that's so scary to think about, sad to think about because some mm -hmm. of the best talent I've hired since the event are people people of color, people that people wouldn't have thought I would have hired in the past. And, yeah. um, you know, prior to the event, I had hired three white males and post the event, I hired one out of 10. That was a white male. And I, I heard the best talent because a lot of people actually would say to me, did you get the best talent? And amazingly, I got the best talent and we had the best results that would follow and in, in so many avenues mm -hmm. um, after that. And, yeah. And I would partner with folks from, from our events. I would, I would, uh, you know, I, I started to practice this at home. I started to practice this at work. There's many, many uh, events and situations where um, I jumped in. I don't think I would have in the past. I had the confidence mm -hmm. to jump in because I've been practicing. I've been thinking about this. I've been vulnerable um, mm. to try to to try to help get it right, not be right. And uh, you know, I yeah. started to to jump out in the community a little bit differently too. And it's just kind of yeah. one of those things. You kind of have to practice it. It's I'm never yeah. going to be perfect at it. Uh, I'm just going to be well-intended uh, about the mm -hmm. actions I take and do the best I can. So what does it, what does it look like Darren to hire the best talent and have that be a different process than what you were doing before, as opposed to what some white men may fear is they're not, even if they're qualified, they're not going to be considered. It's like, what is it like to, you know, what would you say to them about, you know, the playing, they, 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 uh, you know, it's not a zero sum game. You are still an important part of this. You have an equal opportunity for stuff. Um, how does that play out? What sort of shifts in your mind helped you? Because obviously there was something you were, you adjusted or something you saw differently amongst other colleagues too. Yeah, there, there is definitely concern there uh, for, for, I guess, all, all people, uh, you know, I, I remember going for a role after the event and recognized that, uh, there are other, other participants that are as qualified or if not better. And I, I honestly raised my hand and said, I'm, I'm going to back out. I think you should go with these other folks that, that have a, a better opportunity. So that's, that's mm -hmm. something that I think where it makes sense. It, mm -hmm. it takes a lot to do that, but it also, I think it's, mm. it's helping out the, the greater good, the bigger picture of a team. And that's what I was doing there. I've also had conversations with folks to recognize that, Hey, there probably uh, was some easier paths, maybe some uh, preferences uh, historically based on where we've come from. Maybe, you know, having a hiring manager base, base things on similarities. And that's what I had done. I had people that had the same skills that I had thought the way I did. But how limiting is that, right? I'm not thinking about a diverse set of thinking, a diverse set of skills that uh, I wasn't noticing. I wasn't um, vast enough to understand what that looked for or what to ask for. So when a couple things there, I would say one is if you're a white male, uh, I would say continue to broaden your portfolio, get, in, get involved in this work, get involved with how you, you would you welcome in differences to welcome on different thinking? You're actually going to get a lot more. You're going to get better opportunities. It could be more expansive. At the same time, I think we're in a place in society where we're giving everybody a fairer chance. So if you're a white male, it was easier for me, for example, in the past. Uh, mm -hmm. It should be harder. It should be more in line with called the representation of our, of our society. So that should come should be harder mm -hmm. these days to to, to differentiate, but we have to figure out how do we differentiate, and that's for all of us. That's for anyone listening on on, on this call, regardless of what we look like. Um, and then mm -hmm. when I when I when I recognized the skills that I've brought in uh, with um, with different thinking skills from even different different industries, I even went to a University of Connecticut event, networking event, focusing on meeting as many people as I could 
uh, from all backgrounds that look differently than me. In the past, I would have been uncomfortable with that. Mm. I forced myself to say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to meet as mm. many people as I can uh, that are different than me, uh, that look like me. And um, it was one of the most amazing events. You know, it was radiating. Mm. It was gravitating as far as the the type of conversations that people that wanted to come in and chat. And when, when I did that, I, I found many people that could fill me, you know, the, the roles I had. And uh, when I had done that along with other, uh, other folks externally, um, we established and, and we established a framework and we, we accomplished many goals that I thought were once impossible. And we really mm-hmm. changed that just by bringing this diverse group together. And yeah. I often joke about, you know, we fear, you know, FOMO, if you're missing out, this is the kind of fear we should be missing out on. If we don't bring diverse talent together, if we don't bring mm-hmm. diverse thinking, because it limits our ability to be imaginative, to be creative, to, to be wondrous about what is possible. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard you say I had a clear intent to meet as many people as possible of different backgrounds, and it was uncomfortable. So your intent was more important than your comfort level. Uh, is there anything else about what helped you to sustain and still be in that discomfort? Um, you got used to having some I, of that awkwardness or discomfort and it was okay. Instead of like, yeah. I'm not going there. Yeah. I still, I still have it to a degree. I'm still learning. And you know, this yeah. is a, this is probably a forever, forever yeah. thing. My, my heart changed, my heart changed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see the beautiful light in people. My commitment to the world is, has changed. Uh, I'm talking mm-hmm. to you about this. I'm, I'm, I'm on other podcasts. I'm, I'm yeah. speaking at other events with companies and, and helping people see that it's okay. And that we can take the small steps that, that, that amount to much more. And, you know, this mm-hmm. pink pen, I joked about it earlier, but this pink pen, was something that I, I called out to the group when we left that four day immersion event that I said, one of my commitments will be to use this pink pen forever. And I literally signed, uh, you know, contracts. I signed my kids' birthday cards. I create thank you notes. Mm-hmm. I take notes, uh, you know, preparing for this event. I have, you know, a bunch of you know notes about certain things about how this is a, this awakening was a center for so much more. Yeah. Uh, and my point is, is that it's my accountability reminder. Mm. It's, it's, it's a pink pen, which, you know, I don't know how many white male executives that are using a pink pen. And my point yeah. is it reminds me to call out differences. It reminds me to welcome differences. It reminds me to be different, to make a difference. Yeah. I love that. And just for the listeners, it's a hot pink color. Very nice, (laughs) bright, super bright. Um, How did you come across that pen? Well, we were at the event. We were using different color pens just to, we take Mm. notes and we reflect. You know, one of the things about the, uh, I thought the event was was fabulous. It was, we allowed ourselves to really reflect deeply. And and that's something I've incorporated in everything I do is to take a moment and, and see you know, to really stop and then understand how is this impacting me? What should I do about it? How can I learn from it? And that that's something I'm teaching in my book too. Just mm-hmm. how do we stop? How, how do we burst our bubble so we can expand up further? Um, okay. So that that's just a technique that I, I like to do. So I was writing a lot of notes in a, in a program, the programs like, that you gave out and it was very helpful. Yeah. That was a pink pen, of course. Well, one of the, one of the things I'm Thinking about Darren is, you know, a lot of us, particularly white men, we might come to this work thinking, well, we're kind of helping other people with their issues. We're helping women, we're helping people of color with their issues. Can you speak to, you know, how is that different than that? How is how is this actually benefit you personally and professionally? What's in it for white guys to really do this journey where we may face what we didn't know we didn't know and it feels awkward or whatever comes up for us, but that in the end or in the ongoing process you're having, it sounds like it's there's treasures for you and more of um, how you benefit or your family. So what, what, what comes to mind when you think about how you've, how you get to benefit from this work too? Yeah, there's huge benefits. I didn't think, Mm. I didn't think it was present. So I appreciate you bringing this up. I, I, you know, I was always thinking I need to have success by just charging forward, just just can't do, get it done type Mm. of mentality that we're, you know, Mm -hmm. I've been taught. Um, a lot of us have been taught and, um, I, I recognize that uh, as I was doing that, I was probably doing that at the expense of others, uh, unknowingly so. Maybe maybe it's their happiness, maybe it's their possibilities to do different things. And 
when I started to shift and turn myself upside down, I started to see things differently. I, I've had magical moments with, with my kids. I, you know, one in particular uh, was um, I was sitting there with, with my daughter one night. She was doing doing her homework and um, she was done and she wanted to get some uh, some dessert, a treat, if you will. And I was on my phone, my my smartphone doing work thinking I was doing a good job and being a good father at the same time, which I think we both know that was, was, I wasn't mm-hmm. doing a good job at both. Um, and then I, I just said, we don't do you know, desserts during the week. And uh, a really fun story emerged out of that where we agreed on uh, a watermelon Italian ice. We thought it was healthier or I thought it was healthier. And we, you know, we took the lid off of this Italian ice and um, put it in the corner. And then when, when she was done, uh, she seemed quite happy. And I put my phone down and, I looked out of the corner of my eye and I noticed something that was very different. And, uh, you know, at the top of this lid was, was this, uh, un, un, upside down one eyed smile. And I, I, I grabbed it and, and took it and turned it around and showed my daughter. We were both were in amazement. We were in awe. We we're like, we couldn't believe this smile was on the back of this lid. And I saw how, how amazed she was, which mm-hmm. got me to be more amazed and it ended up being, that's the light, light up moment that I talked about earlier. It, it really, got me to just stop my i felt like my life passed in front of my eyes i started to say oh my god this is it our happiness our joy is within it's about helping people uh for me it's about helping people people be joyous and be happy and to seek what's in front of them and um i recognized at that point that it wasn't the lid that was upside down it was me (laughs) so so it's that it's the work i needed to do to get back to being right side up and you know that's Mm -hmm. that's just one example for myself that i i benefited by welcoming differences i wouldn't have seen that had I not been open to differences, I wouldn't have been open to the many relationships that I have formed. Like Nakia uh, Kirst is one of the people from, from the event in May, 2016. She started up her own company called Black Bias at iblackbias.com. And we are the closest friends as you can imagine. We're helping each other think through, how do we help mm-hmm. society grow differently? How yeah. do we, how do we engage differently? How do we partner differently? Uh, so I, the, the relationships that I've that have evolved and that have emerged from this, I never would have had, I would have missed out on, I would have missed out on such beautiful thinking such beautiful, um, uh, of events that have taken place. Uh, we've, we've, we've performed, we have performed some events together. We've gone on trading events together, for example, where we where where I found my, my highest goal word, which is possible possibilities. Um, you know, the events with my kids continue to pour on. So I think the messages mm-hmm. that I, I talk about out loud, my kids are hearing them and I'm hearing them actually playing back to me. And I couldn't be more rewarded or happier when I hear my, my son tell me at school that he's jumping in to help a kid who's struggling by saying all lives matter versus black lives matter. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's stepping in to help kids from stopping to yell at them to help educate them. And that's pretty common for society. Like let's stop yelling at each other. How can we and start to figure out how do we educate each other? Yeah. And that's, that's just an example of, I don't know if that would have happened if had I not been mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. space to have these conversations at home or my daughter uh, recognizing when someone has blue hair and she's saying, Hey dad, they're celebrating being different. And I said, Oh my God, that's a beautiful way to say it. I don't think I would have ever thought that I might've thought yeah. other things. Yeah. So they're educating me now. And yeah. I can only imagine they're educating their colleagues and their peers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same goes for, uh, you know, the different events that are happening at work that I'm speaking out at, and then other people are following. There's folks that have told me I've given them a voice by being an ally. People mm-hmm. I didn't, I never do would have, yeah. would have felt that way. And they, they've come back with saying, you helped me get to a different place. And, and the, you know, the list goes on. I, I couldn't imagine being there without going through your events. I, I'm so grateful mm-hmm. and honored to have gone through both the, you know, the events in May 2016, and then the following year, October 17, with you and the White Men's Caucus, which was a, a different viewpoint, yet powerful and, and mm-hmm. rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love just sitting here listening and feeling the possibilities for you just continue to open in new ways. of, And to hear how you've been ex- expressing this openness to difference, and it's been landing in your kids. And then they're reflecting it back to you for new ways of seeing win-win. And then you're talking about teaching them to, to engage across difference with love, to engage with you know, others from an educating possibility as opposed to somebody's right, somebody's wrong. Um, yeah, wow. it's been, I mean, it's mm-hmm. been so rewarding. Like, you know, that 
that one-eyed smile. I don't know if you could see it in the background there. That's I see. I that. see your calendar. Yeah, it's a picture of that. Yeah, yeah. And that's the the center of it is that that actual lid, and then around that are other other one-eyed smiles that are actually out in the universe, out in the world that I've either uncovered myself or other people have shared with me to say, yes, I'm connected with you. You know, each one of these are unique, just like each of us. And mm -hmm. it's a great representation to remind us that we are all unique and we all have the ability to be found. And that's what these are representing. And, and it, to me, it brings much joy. And the other thing is that, you know, I have a company called Ignite Happy. Like mm -hmm. how, that, you know, that's, that's a little different. I usually get people to look at me like Ignite Happy. You know, why, yeah. why do you want to talk about happy at the workplace? Mm -hmm. And I, I've always been one of joy and kindness, yet I don't think I, I, I was willingly practicing that. I think I swayed against that. I was actually more uptight. I think I had someone say to me when I actually laughed at work, they're like, oh, you can laugh? Yeah, that, that again was mortifying because I, I was growing towards being how I was supposed to act versus, you know what? I can get joy at work. Yes. Actually, I'm going to yeah. bring joy out at work. And yeah, you know, part, part of this role as the business transformation officer, the first thing I did was I, um, I asked people, what does joy at work look like? And, you know, mm -hmm. folks were, some folks were saying, it's not about happiness. And I said, okay, I'll meet you where you are. We don't have to use the word. Yeah. But I, I asked 300 people what, what joy at work meant to them. And amazingly, what they had said was helping each other thrive and to work with trusted partners were the most common responses. So think about the joy in that. If we could all do that every day, we, we wanted to help each other thrive. And be trustful yeah. to each other. Isn't that society? Isn't that the world we live in? And if that's joy in the world, wow, why, we could do so much. So, so that's actually taken off. And we actually, uh, we embedded that in the work we did to help us turn that culture around to go from third quartile to a top decile. A bunch of other things happened. Yet yeah. that was just the start of it. Um, and it's like embracing that we can be something. We can have joy. We yeah. can be inclusive. And as I, as I think about and reflect on my book, the, the foundation of the book is built on happiness and inclusion uh, mm -hmm. with the ability to reach possibilities, you know, going through a number of steps, yeah. Uh, yeah. actually putting yourself out in the world differently, being more inclusive, uh, welcoming differences, being more imaginative, being creative mm -hmm. again, mm -hmm. uh, you know, lying yeah. to a bigger purpose, those type of things that really can change us. Yeah. Well, as I listen to this, Darren, I'm thinking of, you know, we talk about in the aspects of us white male culture in the caucus and and some in the full partner lab and those those qualities aren't bad um they actually have generated huge amounts of success so when you talk about rugged individualism that um low tolerance of uncertainty so get it get it clear um action the power of action and creation fix things um use data you know more more head than heart um and, you know, time is linear feature focus. I think those things have generated success in business. And what I hear you saying is, you know, in my interpretation is the overuse of those things can stifle out some other qualities that make magic happen. So if I'm always like head to the grindstone, um, you know, more just in my head, I'm not leaving room for joy. I'm not leaving room for happiness. So what happens when we, keep those qualities and all the power that unleashes and have create space for um, laughter, joy, um, play. And how, how does that unleash even more connectedness and sense of belonging and inclusion? And I, I feel like you're onto something important there. Yeah, there's, there, there's a lot there. And I, I, I do believe that as we focus on people again, uh, you know, mm -hmm. we've gotten away from that a bit when you think about artificial intelligence, yeah. smart technology, uh, really a reliance on on people as an asset. You might hear some CEO yeah. say, like, we have the greatest people that are their greatest asset. I, I, I think I used to value that. Now I understand it's not it's, it's not an asset. Yeah. It's really the driving force of any company that mm -hmm. wants to exist and thrive in the future. It's yeah. how do we get how do we how do we bring back the human to human interactions again? and not yeah. stifle them based on driving a number or driving a result or putting the the initiative to be 10th on the list. You know, there's several executives that I've talked to in recent years to say, yeah, that's important. It's like seven or eight or nine on the list. And to me, it needs to start with our people and it needs to start with how do we interact differently. And your, your point about interconnectedness is going to drive the future here and how we how we get connect people to meaningful work. When, when I've when I've let go about driving the numbers, 
And that's where I was talking about where I was upside down, starting with numbers on my career. And then, and then I had this awakening. I started to, to drive differently by saying and believing that people are, they have untapped potential. I always thought people had limited potential. I think all people have untapped potential. When we start to show and really save that as our belief and help people to actually show that potential, it's amazing what things that happens. It's, it's just mm-hmm. amazing what people will, will give you. The numbers become unprecedented. You'd have to have the faith that they're going to follow. Yet if you're authentically, genuinely caring and showing an interest in your people, helping them grow, helping them to experience different ways of, mm-hmm. of getting the results by giving them room, giving them guidance, giving them help. Oh my gosh. Again, that, that's where I've seen growth, not only in myself, but I've seen it in the teams I've interacted with. Mm-hmm. And the results are 10 times better than I ever could have imagined. Yeah. So I was limiting yeah. myself, let alone limiting my, my teams and, and their potential. Yeah. I once had another colleague of mine ask me how much of my energy or anybody's energy is focused on um, driven by fear and what we don't want to have happen and how much of it is about creation and unleashing what we do want to have happen. And it's, I hear you balance, working to balance that out in a culture. And I think that, you know, when we balance it out so that fear isn't like the driving piece of everything, there's a lot more possibility and people can come to diversity uh, with a fear orientation too. And it's that they're going to sort of get a self-fulfilling prophecy of, we got to worry about this, got to worry about this. Gotta look at the possibilities of what, as you say, can get unleashed um, both in terms of play or possibilities or innovation and just more human space for, for heart, which includes love and um, you know, belonging and things so that yeah yeah serving with heart and belonging or or as well said that's exactly it when folks feel that they feel mm. they feel cared for and they feel safe to guess what do more yeah. be more innovative yeah. take more risk uh, to be mm-hmm. more creative there's there's a study that i've uncovered where uh i think it's two percent of adults have the ability or shown the ability to be creative Versus ninety eight percent of five year olds. Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Society did what to us? Yeah, what right. We do with it, right? We kind of just followed suit, and that there's a lot of things that go in line with that. Yeah, our happiness. Yes, the love the love factor and how we really treat each other. Uh, there's a lot of things that that, that kind of go in harmony with that. And you know, just a, a quick story too about um, helping people get over the fear factor. There was there was a moment in my career where I was I was asked to lead a team that uh the results were not good they were suffering the sales were not or not going the right direction the service level results were probably half of what they needed to be to be competitive and i jumped in this role and what i found out is my team was the problem <laughs> or at oh, least, really? well at least when i went in and started to interview everybody that's what everybody said you know their common response to me was hey your team they need to respond to clients better they need to answer the calls better they need mm-hmm. to turn the product around and code differently. They did that. You know, it's a lot of they, mm-hmm. and, um, not, not, not one person had said, Hey, you know what? I, I have a problem here that I'm working on. I, I could, you know, not one person said, Hey, how can I help you? I want all of us to succeed. It was all about they, cause we were, you know, we were, we weren't doing well. So I bet you there was a fear amongst my colleagues around the organization to say, no, I'm going to blame the end of the road. Cause that's all the metrics are kind of built up to say, this is the team that's actually failing. And after 90 days of asking folks, hey, what's going on? How's it going for you? What works well? What looks good? What would you like to see in the future? How can we really make a difference together? Mm-hmm. Uh, after going through that, I recognized where the problems were, and they were actually everywhere. And I didn't I didn't want to come out and just say to everybody, hey, the problems are there, there, there. I didn't that would have been bad yeah. to build a relationship. So I, I was trying to come up with a way to um to come out with an idea and a thought and yeah incidentally we had i think in your book and in the white man's caucus we talked about us versus them and how how you cope with that and how do you bridge that and i was thinking about that learning mm-hmm. so think about how that impacted my mind here as as i'm looking for a sign i literally and i'll send you a picture of this i literally found a 20 foot by 20 foot sign that had the word them on it with a cross out symbol like you would see like no u-turn yeah so it's like Every time this, you know, somebody would go into the distribution center, they would say to themselves, no more of them. And I'm yeah. like, that's it. Only us. No more of them. Right. Just us. So I went into work and asked folks to think about that. Like, how do we get rid of the word them? How can we replace it with real names? 
How can we look at what are some of the problems and start to self-reflect? And when we did that, even though people were reluctant at first, yeah. we actually started to uncover where the problems were. We started to identify how we were going to solve them together. And we turned the business unit around. Mm-hmm. We actually doubled mm-hmm. our service scale scores. We started to drive sales results again. And guess what? We were stable. So now we could get real competitive. Uh, but that's a real life event where just yeah. starting to bridge the gap of the us versus them, taking fear out of the equation, mm-hmm. really inquiring in a way that you're caring to say, how do we get this right? You're not being blamed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really opened up. It really yeah. opened up opportunities for everybody on the team, which was, which is really fun. Yeah. What I hear is, you know, I'm going to look at when I do look at difference and I have to see it now because I didn't see it before and how people are dealing with things I didn't have to. Let's not have it be a them. Let's have it be uh, human, very human, use names. Yeah. This is, we can't, them can lead us towards a dehumanization of otherness. And, you know, no, it's got to bring it right core back to some ways, the sameness of common commonality of our hopes, beingness as humans, and yet still acknowledge the differences. So you're, you're looking through the lens of difference in a in a very human way in a very uh different way than sometimes what people get which is to project fear on the difference to avoid it to think it's bad to all that stuff you've gotten rid of a lot of that sort of reactive sort of muscle in some of our nervous systems yeah that's i love that too the reactive component it's how do how do we prepare to respond to help others I, yeah you know, when I, when I get frustrated, when I see things not go where I think it could, or if I see folks say, Hey, how can I help in this movement? Uh, you know, I try not to judge or try not to you know get frustrated because there's, I would say, let's, let's get, let's take action. Let's do something. Maybe it's read a book. Maybe it's yeah. uh, talk about something in your community. Maybe it's watch a show. Like I feel like all American that show has been doing a nice job, uh, really sharing, um, mm-hmm. uh, good information with the public these days. And, you know, to, to me, to me, it's okay slow down. It's not for me to judge. It's for me to help explore. It's for me to yeah. help yeah. understand where people are at. Get stopping to get curious. And this mm-hmm. is where our, this is where I think our minds are so wired when, when I, when I've done the research around like I, our hippocampus in our brains, where our subconscious minds just take something and move it quickly. Cause we want to be efficient. Yes. yes. What, what we're, what we need to do is stop. Yes. We, before it just shifts and goes, we have to stop that subconscious okay. reaction and and to your point, slow down and start to think about it and self-explore. How do I want to respond? How do I, how can I make a bigger difference? And how do I use the leverage of um, sameness to connect yet using differences to, to show there's vulnerability and there's a better way. I'm uncertain with what I know, yet I'm going to leverage what I know and make it better with, with people around me that are willing to share with me. But it's my job to make it make others comfortable with sharing so we can all get further ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've heard it talk about fast brains and slow brains, and yeah, we can't let our fast brain drive. But one of the things I would, I just want to honor you for too, Darren, is you have given example over example over example of being really good at inquiry and asking really powerful questions. And so much of our culture teaches us as white guys to to go into advocacy mode and tell, do what we think is right, lead, and to, to pause to ask powerful questions, to really open up people's, um, you know, to get to know them as people that way, but also, um, you know, to be open to the wisdom of them. That's a powerful muscle that you have. I appreciate. Thank you. I would, I would invite others to identify other ways to do that. Cause it's, it's been amazing to me when you, when we show people that we care in a different way. Yeah. Like I do, like I do care what joy at work means for you. I do care what a good day looks like. And when's the last mm. time you had it and how yeah. can we get back to that? When you, when I, when I've recognized that when I've asked people about what is happiness for them and really st- staying in it, not just getting the answer, moving on, staying in the conversation. I, I've had many people just open up and say things like, I'm not sure why I'm sharing this with you or, even have tears where we're all of a sudden we're crying together or just being human about where we are. And there's, there's, there's such, um, there's such beauty in that. Uh, and that's what I've recognized. That's, I think it, it takes practice. It doesn't just happen. I think it's, it's being able to understand what, what type of impact are we, are we trying to make, you know, back again, back for me, it's trying to really uh, enlighten folks to the beautiful light that's inside them and, and help them understand what they're possible of doing. 
and bringing yeah. out the joy in them. And when I when mm-hmm. I see folks open their eyes, like when I saw that one eyed smile that my, when my eyes burst out, when I see people doing that, that's where I get joy. So I've tied myself to where I get joy is that. Yeah. So if I do that every day consistently, I'm gonna be, be I'm gonna be beaming, and then others yeah. will be beaming, and then hopefully each bubble will turn into a broader movement. And that's, that all started from May 2016 when awesome. uh, I had my awakening. So, is there anything you want to share about your book, Live Your Possible? I know you're still finishing that up. It's going to be out eventually in a bit here. And anything else you want to end with? But I'd love to hear a little bit more about what your book's about. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. I I'm really excited about bringing the book out. It's been you know, I started it months after we had that event uh, and it's really taking a course as I've learned and continue to learn where I started the book on, on happiness and it led to how to unleash possibilities. And it's really aimed to um, igniting people's happy, authentic selves to, to be, uh, to be living a life that they're thrilled about. That's rooted in joy. It's rooted in inclusion, love and their possibilities. And uh, it's helping people, to stop and pause. It's helping people yeah. to, to explore themselves and then start to get out in the world differently. It's, you know, it's based on, on a foundation of happiness and inclusion. And when we get, get to understand there's value in that and seeing the world differently and our willingness to expand, I have a set of, uh, a, a set of, uh, items on a path called the path of possibilities as you can imagine because the book's called labor possible mm-hmm. uh, and, it, and it spells out an acronym for for possible and it it really starts with understanding where where our beliefs are our purpose uh, driven beliefs are and uh, start to connect that through a bunch of questions and activities that people will take over a course of time and i'm acting as a guide as a how-to book to really stop and pause in your life to really see where the joy is to see how you can be inclusive and to really make a difference because as, as we do that and get more imaginative endless possibilities are within reach and they're infinite. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what this book is, is really helping people to teach and to, to take steps to, to realize that for themselves. And, and also I'm encouraging teams and organizations to practice uh, some of the skills coming out of this well, because it will help not only individuals, but it will help teams to find the joy in their workplace. And I actually have a chapter in there about, about the uh, the workplace that I talked about earlier and uh, and how we got there as well. Uh, so it does focus on individuals and it does help to um, mm-hmm. inform leaders and teams on how they could actually do this more broadly, which I'm super excited about because I, I love talking about the events mm-hmm. openly, as you can tell about the vulnerability and the, and the real life examples that I I have to share. And and I'm excited to share at the same time, every time I, I connect, I, I, have a, I have a pit in my stomach and I know it's for the greater good. And I'm I'm hoping that folks will take, you know, take a, a pause in their life and jolt their journey, and that's that's really what uh, I'm aiming to do. Mm. Awesome. So, live your possible is your book coming out. Um, Ignite Happy is an ignitehappy.com is your website. Um, I'm I'm really appreciate the shared journey that we have. Um, thinking of asking if there's one more story or anything you want to share as you close about your learning or awakenings or ahas or um, anything. And just appreciating you uh, as a white male who dove into your own diversity learning journey and found, you know, so many things as I have found too, that are personally about transforming myself and that the whole idea that everybody wins, this isn't just helping some people with their issues. It's like, we all get so much out of this journey. And, um, and yeah. that's, that's like, what a, what a great ex- message to share with other, other white guys and any dimension of insiderness, whether it's men globally or white folks around race, et cetera. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think part of this is accepting, uh, uh, who we are as our authentic selves, you know, how we came into this world, allowing ourselves to be uh, open to differences, not having all the answers, even allowing our, the kid inside of us to come out and play and be imaginative yeah. and, and wonder, wonder again. And yeah. I think we do that. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. I love it. You know, that allows us to be curious to me. That's like one of the magic uh, secrets here is how to, how to leverage curiosity around every turn and just allow that to be your pause. And, you know, there are, there are other stories, you know, uh, you know, there's, 
you know, there, I think as, as you practice, like I've been practicing at home, I had an, I, I had a story where I, I needed to apologize to my wife. There's, there's stories where I recognized someone in line at the airport where they had red hair and there was a guy that was actually yelling at me saying, why does she have to do that? And, and I had to honor her for, for, you know, what she believes in. And we had a good conversation about well, that's okay. And why it should be okay. And why it's okay that he's got his, you know, Texas football shirt on, you know, that type of thing. And there, you know, there's been events where uh, I was accused of being a racist out in public where someone came up to me as I was loosely talking about our events and talking about mm. uh, all my learnings. And uh, this person uh, overheard me yet didn't hear exactly what I was saying. And I was, I should have been more careful. Uh, yet mm. he came up to me screaming and saying, are you a racist? Are you a racist? Are you a racist? And, you know, practically spitting on me. I think he actually was spitting on me. And <laughs> we, we just got to a place where I, to your, to your point about a calm mind, I stayed calm and I just felt, I felt like I needed to understand and uncover where this person was at at that time. And it was my responsibility. It wasn't my fault that he was here, even though he was yelling at me that he had been oppressed. He had been held back. He had been bullied as a, as a uh, someone mm. that had Middle Eastern descent. And I needed to stand there. It was my responsibility to, to look further within that moment. And it was hard because it was, it was life-threatening. It felt at the moment. Yeah, we worked, we worked through it. We had some real deep conversations for about a half hour going mm. back and forth, sharing intentions, you know, sharing my commitment, my pink pen, my commitment that while I wasn't the person that held him back personally yet, uh, you know, had I, I, I've had been part of the problem by not being enough of the solution. So I'm not going to be more of the solution mm. together. And, you know, by the end of that, we, we hugged it out. We actually mm -hmm. had three of us. There was another person with me. We, we hugged that situation out to know there's hope for the future. We can do this. We can get through this. And that, that's what I'm, that's really what I'm, referring to to get to that place where we could actually be in any conversation even something as threatening as, as that yeah. to try to have a calm place to say okay there's something good about this person there's a beauty inside that person i got to figure out yeah yeah I'm, yeah i'm shaking inside yet it's my responsibility to help us make a difference and um mm. that to me was one of those moving moments to say okay i i this is the journey i'm on i got to keep it up so that's yeah. this i'll leave you with that but that's yeah that's one that um you know i still get chills about thinking about talking about and, um, I just got to say, Michael, I'm, I'm honored to be, uh, yeah. you know, talking to you and be honored to be on this journey with you as well. Awesome. Darren. Well, thanks for that. I'm sorry. I got to jump to another meeting too. And this was sweet to, to, um, get to connect with you. So appreciate it. Thanks for your time and your whole journey. And I continue to be inspired by you. Same here. Great to see you. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks again. Bye. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Insider Outsider Podcast, where we have courageous conversations with business leaders about what it means to be an insider or an outsider in their organizations. We at WFTP and FTP Global specialize in getting insiders to understand their unique responsibility to engage other insiders as well as outsiders in building inclusive teams and organizations. Our work takes us around the globe, transforming people and companies towards a more inclusive world. For the show notes about this podcast and more about the work of WMFDP and FTP Global, visit wmfdp.com slash podcast. <laughs>